The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Engaging Truth, the manifestation of God's Word in the lives of people around us. Join us each week as we explore the impact of His message of spiritual renewal, from the lesson of forgiveness forged in the crucible of divorce, to the message of salvation learned by an executioner from a condemned killer, to the gift of freedom found in the rescue of victims of human trafficking. This is God's Truth in Action. Welcome to Engaging Truth. I'm your host, Matt Popovitz. And with me on the show tonight is Pastor David Bond. He's the pastor of St. John in Cyprus, Texas. And David Bond is with us to to help us understand what it's like to, to be a parish pastor, but in particular, to talk about what it's like for a pastor as he heads toward retirement and he steps out of a lifelong calling, calling and into a brand new season. Pastor Bond, welcome to Engaging Truth. Thank you, man. It's good to be here. It's great to have you with us. So, so tell us a little bit about the, uh, the ministry that you've had. Um, how, many, how many different congregations have you served? How many years have you been a pastor? Started in Vernal, Utah and Rangeley, Colorado, a dual parish about 50 miles apart. And uh, while I was there, I actually started a third church 30 miles the other way in Roosevelt, Utah. Was there for about four years and then moved to Pine Bluff, Arkansas. Was there for about 10 years. Interesting, challenging, and wonderful experiences there. Um, and then moved to Texas in uh, uh, 1993. And have been uh, in Arlington for 11 years and now here at St. John for 16. So what are some of the best things about being being a pastor? You, you've now got uh, really a whole career under your belt. Right. Uh, what, are, what are the best parts? Um, I think seeing a, just remember seeing a kid in confirmation class get it. I mean, the light went on. It was like, you know, and you could physically see it in his face. Uh, that's one of the best parts. Uh, seeing an adult, uh, just last week, we had a dad and his two children baptized, and the joy that he had and that he has for his children and his wife now also, uh, she was already baptized. And uh, and so those kinds of things, when you see the gospel at work in people's lives, is really, really special. I think the other thing is we've been a, a privilege to have some significant um, interaction and experiences in foreign missions. Uh, we've been in China. I uh, did a mission trip to Russia. I've uh, been to Africa a few times, uh, Kenya and Tanzania. And uh, to see the gospel in those places and to be able to have a very specific um, uh, interaction with people around the gospel message uh, has been just a joy and a delight. So those kinds of things are are very much high on our list, on my list. Uh, the fact that Diane is a significant partner with me in all of this is also a, a great blessing. She uh, works for a thing called PLI, which is a missional training um, uh, entity for uh, pastors and church leaders and spouses. And uh, it, to be involved with that, too, is, is a great blessing. How is ministry as it's been lived out different from what you thought it would be when you first graduated from the seminary? I remember crossing over the plains of the western front of the Rocky Mountains. And I remember as I was heading out there, I made myself sick worrying about the people and they're all going to hate me and I'm going to have to do all these hard things. And and I just, I literally was sick by the time of my installation. Um, that, thanks be to God, <laughs> proved 
to be a completely unnecessary fear. Um, there was almost a sense that uh, I picked up whether whose fault I don't know. Uh, I'll just take the blame myself. I took I took it on that I really needed to be afraid of the congregation and afraid of what they might want to do and kind of be protective of of um, what uh, you know what was true and good and so forth. And uh, I think learning that uh, the people of God are incredibly gifted and uh, wonderfully willing to be involved in ministry um, is just is just uh, one of the things that I was able to learn. I think the other thing for me personally also, and this is a little bit dicey, but yeah, I think maybe it might be helpful to know. When I graduated from the seminary, um, it was a tumultuous time in our church body. And I can remember having a self-assigned mission, uh, basically, I would say, to save the synod from the liberals. And uh, once once I really got into ministry and really had a chance to consider what the mission really was all about, the Great Commission, and really embracing that, um, and I'm by no means I'm thinking, uh, oh, let's let's just abandon biblical truth or let's not worry about being, uh, you know, confessionally uh, um, faithful. I, I, we must hold on to biblical truth and be confessionally faithful. That's true. But the mission is to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, to people. And in our particular church, we've put it this way, that we're connecting our neighbors to true riches in Jesus. And uh, that's that's really what's important. And that's a, that was a big change for me also. How did you know it was time to retire? Oh, that's another good story. Um, in 2013, I set the date of my retirement uh, when I would be 20, uh, when I'd be 65 at the end of, of 2016. And um, a couple of, I guess a couple of years or maybe just a year later, I began to think about I'm not really ready to retire. I had actually uh, made a lifestyle change. I'd started working out regularly and so physically much more active. I had been a real, real couch potato uh, prior to that. And I began to get more energy and more desire to serve. And so I decided, okay, I'm going to keep going. And uh, as I did, um, it became evident that uh, this, the end of this uh, uh, next January would be a, a time that would be good for the church and good for me. Um, and quite, quite honestly, there's a, there's a sense that I'm really ready to hand the baton off. I'm really excited about the uh, pastor, Mark Wugazer, who's going to be the new senior pastor at St. John. He'll be installed in January. And I'm very much excited to hand the baton to him. And um, uh, the other part about this retirement thing is that um, I'm, I'm thinking of it as a pause, uh, kind of almost a, an extended sabbatical. And I'll look for something else to do uh, maybe, you know, in six months or so and just say, okay, God, what do you have for me now? Because I, I'm not done serving. I love the kingdom. I love the church. And, um, and so it's really a matter of saying this is the time to uh, let go of uh, the reins of leadership of a church, of a congregation, and maybe see how I might serve in other ways. You know, as a pastor, and, and I say this, you know, being one myself, and I, I might in this question just be projecting all of my own stuff on That's you. Okay. So feel free, <laughs> feel free to call me out on that. But, but as a pastor, it's very easy for your whole identity, like your whole okay. understanding of who you are and yourself, to be wrapped around this this calling that you have and this work that you do. I Absolutely. am a pastor. I am a pastor. Has has stepping into as you get closer to retirement, 
because uh, you're, you're pretty close now, just a couple months away, yeah. right? Right. Has stepping into retirement, how, how has that affected or made you wrestle with this, this identity that you've always had as a, as a pastor? Yeah. Um, some subtle things about that. Um, about six months or a year ago, I began um, really giving people strong permission, especially my friends that are members of the church, to call me David. And some of them are very comfortable calling me pastor. They want to continue that. But uh, just even using my name, my first name, um, yeah. you know, uh, St. Paul, after all, <laughs> by his first name. <laughs> uh, and so um, I, I just felt that that was a part of saying, okay, I'm not, I, I'm David. I'm God's son and I'm his servant who is serving at this time as a pastor. I love what I do. I love my, my people. I love my church. Um, and, uh, but at the same time, I begun to say, okay, I want to have an identity that is not just pastor. Uh, the other thing is, uh, a couple of things we've done. I have, um, an amateur photographer and, um, very, you know, dedicated to that. Um, and I'm a member of a photo club and that has really afforded me the opportunity to build relationships outside the church. And there I'm definitely known as David. I mean, that's just, that's who I am. And so that's helpful. Uh, and in addition, we have begun to take some steps in our neighborhood uh, to engage with people on a very personal level and to do some things like uh, uh, to uh, invite people over and to enjoy conversation and, and uh, some refreshments and so forth, just to begin to build the relationships outside the church. We're going to really miss. I mean, that's the biggest, hardest part of retirement is to lose our church fellowship. Um, that's, that's really going to be hard, but, uh, but I feel like we've taken some steps there that are going to be helpful. So as you, as you look into retirement, uh, it sounds already like, like you've, you've tried to be very intentional about preparing for this and you perhaps Absolutely. have already learned, mm -hmm. learned a couple of lessons along the way. You know, what, what have you learned or what are you discovering about stepping into this in a healthy way that you could maybe pass on to somebody else who, who is heading into this season of life, whether they're a pastor or not heading into retirement? What are some, what's some advice you might give them? Uh, years ago when we were in Arkansas, uh, a friend of mine described a fellow pastor who was nearing retirement uh, by saying, it's the longest slide into home I've ever seen. And I thought, I don't want to be that guy. I want to run through the tape. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so a while back, I'd been again a conversation with a coach and um, just kind of seeing if we would fit, if we would, you know, click and be able to work together. Uh, in particular, I mean, working through these issues, these very issues. So. Um, in that first conversation we had, I told him that. I said, I want to run through the tape. And his question to me was, so what does that look like six months after January 31st? And I thought, oh, my goodness, what a great question. And so I began to have to, and this has been a helpful thing, to have somebody that's helped me think through the kinds of issues that lie before me uh, in anticipation of not just getting to January 31st and saying, okay, done now, but really, okay, six months from then, what is it going to look like? And, and what is that, uh, uh, you know, how am I going to get there? And what are the things I'm going to do in anticipation of that? We've got some things planned. I have some potential opportunities that may come up uh, by that time. But at any rate, that's where we are uh, with the uh, uh, 
the whole idea of getting the transition. So I think just being very intentional, um, thoughtful, and uh, we we began really working on our transition plan at St. John uh, a little over two years ago, and uh, really being very intentional about the time level, the time frame, uh, all those kinds of things, what it would look like, the model we were going to use, everything else. And um, and so that was uh, that was a really good um, process as well that kind of set us up for that. So you can't begin too soon and you need to be very uh, intentional. And um, and then, you know, thank God for people who come alongside you and are asking these great questions and helping you think about, um, you know, what what you need to be thinking about. You're listening to Engaging Truth. I'm Matt Popovitz, and with me on the program today is Pastor David Bond. We're talking about what it's like to be a pastor, and specifically what it's like to be a pastor who's headed into retirement. And we're trying to get inside of his heart and mind, and also dig out some insights uh, for you and yours as you hit potentially a new season in life. If you like this program, and if you want to learn more about Engaging Truth and, and potentially support this ministry or discover previous programs, you can head to elmhouston.org. I mentioned supporting the program. This is a nonprofit 501c3. It's completely supported by listeners like you who like this program, who want to learn more and want to have more in their lives. And so to learn more about being a supporter, just head to elmhouston.org. Pastor Bond, you talked about that purposeful transition at your church. And uh, sometimes those transitions from one leader to another can go really poorly. In fact, I hate to say it, it seems like more often than not, especially if someone's been a transformative leader. And I know enough about your time at St. John. You've led them through a lot of things. It's a fundamentally different church in a good way than when you got there. When, when they're transitioning away from a positive, transformative leader into the next person, that, that can be a real struggle. And, and quite often it goes very poorly. Tell me more about what you guys have tried to do at St. John to make sure that it's a healthy transition. Yes, uh, thank you. We have... Um, a, we had a, a transition team that I worked with for about a year and a half. And then when the process came for the call uh, to, to begin to unfold, the call process, uh, fortunately, our constitution is extremely clear on what that looks like, what needs to happen, who needs to be on the call committee, so on and so forth. The fact that they bring one name to the congregation for uh, the call as senior pastor is specifically spelled out in the congregation. So there's very little confusion. But on top of that, um, and more important, was the the blessing and favor of God in this that I believe came because of the very um, intentional and deliberate and prayerful manner in which they undertook it. Once the call committee got started, I attended portions, I think, of maybe three meetings. And the rest of those meetings were done uh, apart from me. And I, so I, it wasn't like I'm going to pick my successor. Um, we had very, very good dedicated and have very good and dedicated people on the call committee and, uh, very, they're very, very committed to being very, uh, careful and, and, uh, prayerful in the process. Um, and then we also had the help of some district people, uh, John B and, uh, John Davis, uh, our area vice president and our area ministry uh, mission and ministry facilitator who served the, the uh, call committee very well. Um, but I didn't just completely withdraw. 
so that I would occasionally speak to the chairman of the call committee and ask, you know, how's it going? Or I would offer an insight or a thought uh, very clearly as for them to do with as they wish. In other words, I let it out there if it, if it was uh, important uh, for them to follow up on, they did. Um, but, um, but that whole process then developed in such a way that when the time came before the, um, before the uh, call, com- call meeting occurred at our church, uh, the call committee had one final meeting and they came to that meeting and the chairman of the committee just said, before we talk, before we do anything, you've, you've all been studying, you've been praying. What, who is the person that is your uh, number one pick? And they went around the, 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 the group and every single person identified uh, Pastor Mark Wugazer as the guy. And, uh, it was, it was like a stunning moment. They, they talk about it in, in terms that you just realize there was something very special happening there. And, um, and, and there's challenges to that because there are people who maybe think that an associate pastor would be the one that would be, uh, naturally considered and, uh, or the one that would be almost like the heir apparent. Um, but they went into the process without thinking in terms of anybody in particular. They wanted to seek who God would, would, uh, lead in that. And I'd have to say the manner in which, uh, our staff as a whole, but especially our associate pastors have interacted with this and and being a part of it has been incredibly good and positive and faithful and full of integrity and so that that's vitally important um i i would think in that situation you know it could be a challenge to have to deal with some of the some of the disappointment maybe you might feel or uh you know anxiety that might be there uh even if it's all good you know so yeah. the fact that they have had that positive attitude has been very good. And um, it's a wonderful thing because uh, I've been able to speak with the pastor who's uh, following me. And and um, we've had just a great connection also personally. So that's the that's the deal. And here's the kind of the spirit between the two of us. I think we're both afraid to step on each other's toes. It's like. We want to, to honor the other person. We don't want to bulldoze, you know, whatever. And um, the only thing that uh, – there's two things he asked. Um, number one, when I told him that I planned to um, leave and get out of my office before he got here and just to have that completely available to him, he said, okay, just as long as you let everybody know that it wasn't me asking you <laughs> to leave your office. Yeah. And, and I, of course, I mean, sure. So I did that. Uh, and then we've agreed that I'm going to be absent for a year and let him have the full season of experience with the people and just uh, really let him be the new guy. Uh, man, I'm just going to cheer for him and root for him and, and uh, look forward to seeing God do great things there at St. John through him and the rest of the staff there. As you look at now the final few months of your your pastoral ministry, uh, although as you say, ministry for you is going to continue mm-hmm. um, in the future in some way, shape, or form, what advice would you give to somebody who's stepping into ministry and they're at the, they're they're at the starting line? Mm-hmm. Um, if you could yeah. you could shout back some words of encouragement or wisdom to them as they begin, uh, what might you say? Uh, I'd want to say God loves you. He mm-hmm. loves you deeply. And you are his and your identity is in Jesus Christ and not whether or not you make every 
exact sermon perfect or Bible study or pastoral visit or hospital call perfectly, but that you are who he has made you to be. You're giving your best for his glory and, uh, and really just embrace that and, and remember what the real mission is. The real mission isn't to win the people's hearts. The real mission isn't to make sure that the church runs smoothly. Those are good things, but the real mission is to bring the gospel to other people and, uh, and to make disciples. And, uh, just if you can hold that, um, another way that I might also say, um, one of my heroes in terms of, uh, just the way in which uh, the church works in the congregation is a guy by the name of Edwin Friedman. He's kind of one of the fathers of system systems thinking. And um, he says he has kind of a mantra or used to say, uh, define yourself and stay connected. And boy, that's powerful. If you know who you are, I'm a, I'm a child of God. I'm a servant of Christ and I want to stay connected with you. Let's continue this conversation, even if we're at odds, you know, kind of thing. That's those are the kinds of things I would say. Yeah, I love that. Define yourself and stay connected. That's that, that's, that's a powerful that's combination. Yeah, it really, really is. You know, I, as I look at, at at my ministry, I'm about maybe at the maybe at the halfway point, maybe a little right. a little less than that. Um, I was having a conversation with my wife uh, maybe a couple of weeks ago, talking about how you know my aims in ministry have changed since the beginning to where I am now. Like when I was when I was fresh out of seminary, you know, my goal was to to plant a church and grow it really, really big and then write a bunch of books and then teach other people how to do the same thing. Right. Awesome. And then, <laughs> but then now, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm past 40 and I said, Lisa, my, I just want to finish well. That's mm-hmm. all I like. I just want to like keep my faith and my family yeah. and to serve people go. well. And, you know, something happens along the way where you go from saying, I want to conquer the world to just, I want to mm-hmm. be a good steward of the simple gifts I've been given. <laughs> you look like, around and you realize, yeah, you look around and you realize, oh, I'm not Martin Luther. <laughs> right, right, right. And, 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 and then, but along the way, you see, you see so many other fellow pastors who, yeah. you know, it, it's a, it, they, they fall, they stumble, they struggle, um, their lives kind of blow up. Um, and God is there for them, and, the, and, and God's grace is at work in their lives. But you also say, oh, my goodness, there, but for the grace of God, Amen. go I. And you start to say, I just, I just want to, I just want to finish well. I just want to finish yeah. well. Did, did you see, we've got, we've got about two minutes left. Uh-huh. Have you seen, as you, as you now make this transition, have you seen your aims from the beginning to where you are now in, in what it means to be successful as a pastor? Have you seen those change? Uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, you, you, you can't help, I can't help but now reflect on issues around family and uh, maybe a, a, a need for me to have been more attentive to my family. I always was. I always cared. I made it to all the ball games I could, you know, those kinds of things. I wasn't the, uh, you know, the perennially absent father. But I think there were a lot of times when I could have been more engaged. And so I, you know, kind of process a little bit more, reflect a little bit more. And, uh, and realize that uh, the idea of finishing well, uh, the idea of recognizing that um, what I want to do is serve the cause of God's kingdom in whatever way he allows me to do so is what needs to be on my heart. And um, to have served a congregation such as St. John has been an incredible privilege. I, I love the people. I love the church. I love the, the all the things that are a part of it. Um, and and. I just have to know that that was one way in which I'm serving the kingdom of God. There will be others as well. And that's what I want to keep in mind. 
Yeah. Pastor Vaughn, thank you as one pastor to another. Um, thank you for, for years of faithful service and for being a light, bright light for the gospel here in the Houston area. I've gotten the chance to to be a neighbor in ministry to you. You've been a great blessing to a lot of people. And uh, I know personally a lot of the folks who've been able to, to work uh, under you and alongside of you, and uh, they, they speak very well about your leadership. And so congratulations on entering this season of life. Thank you, Matt. It's been a joy to be with you. I, I wish God's blessings for you also. Thank you, sir. And, and thank you for listening. As always, if you want to listen to Engaging Truth, you can find us right here, same time, same station, each and every week. We, we are so glad that you're with us. Until next time. Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Engaging Truth. Be sure to join us each week at this time. To help support our ministry, contact Evangelical Life Ministries, Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas, 77410, or visit our website at elmhouston.org or find us on Facebook at Evangelical Life Ministries. Thank you.